if you're going commuting let's say 40 or 50 kilometers a day which is a very high commute but if you're commuting that kind of distance if you've got an ic engine vehicle you're looking at about one liter of fuel every day that means about 90 rupees per day and that vehicle is probably costing you about 75,000 rupees in our case the vehicle is costing you about 62,000 rupees so initial purchase price is lower speed is also lower I accept that but when you look at it when you're if you're running that 40 to 50 kilometers a day you're looking at one and a half units of power that's about 12 rupees huge difference so when you look at it over three years if you're using every day thousand days you've got 90,000 and you've got 12,000 your 78,000 is the saving that you have and so you, this vehicle actually becomes more than free you've actually taken money into your pocket rather than spent it So if the dealer makes money, we will ourselves make money. We cannot make money sitting on the shoulders of the dealers because that's a network, that's a strength that we've got. See, companies are not built by on the shoulders of one person or this thing. It's built on the shoulders of a team which believes what you're doing. Hello everyone, Ashok here. Thank you for tuning in to this 24th episode of Indian Startup Stories, a podcast thriving to bring out experiences and insights from entrepreneurs across India. Today, our guest is Naveen Munjal, MD of Hero Electric Vehicles Private Limited, a brand and a company which is pioneer and market leader in the Indian electric two-wheeler industry with more than 500 distributors and playing a critical role in R&D for battery and technology behind two-wheeler EV space. In this episode, Naveen shares his background rich experience in two-wheeler industry, importance and opportunities in two-wheeler EVs in India and in global space, the reason and importance of Hero Electric being spun as a separate entity from the group, the role that the company has played as a market leader, the battery research and technology R&D behind the milestones, recalling initial days during drawing board and business plan, importance of collaboration with dealerships and online-offline sales, and much more exciting and valuable information for you to take away. So without further ado, let's jump in. Hi, Navin. It's wonderful having you on this show. Thank you for coming on Indian Startup Stories today. Welcome. Thank you, Shok. It's a pleasure being here today. Thank you. My pleasure too. Navin, you are managing a very big company now, Hero Electric Vehicle Private Limited. How were your early days? Let's start with some of your background, which we don't know. I uh, would like to hear on uh, your early days. So, Shok, let me... Uh, so, I belong to a town called Dhyana, which is in Punjab, north of India. And mm-hmm. so all my schooling life was spent in a boarding school. So I was in a, one of the oldest uh, co-ed boarding schools in the world, which is called Lawrence School Sinar. And so I went there when I was nine years old. And I was there through my schooling years. Post that, I came back to Ludhiana, went to college in Ludhiana, because my parents said, enough is enough. You've been out for eight years. Now time for you to settle down uh, here for a bit. And then after that, went off for my MBA to UK. Once I finished my MBA, then I started. My intention was to start working there and start getting an internship there. So I was lucky I got an internship at Land Rover at that point of time, which was owned by BMW uh, during that time. Uh, I was there for a while and I was thoroughly enjoying my time there because I was loving this whole experience of working in a company like uh, Land Rover, which was a fabulous, fabulous company. And I was working in the marketing department. So at that point, I was uh, partly responsible for the Birmingham Motor Show, which is the largest UK motor show that happens. And this was in October, November, September of uh, 94. So immediately after that, uh, that was over. I was looking at a more meaningful uh, uh, role there in the company. But my parents started putting pressure, you know, so as uh, to come back to India, that I've been out for too long, etc. And I came back to India, went back to Luthiana. 
started working in the bicycle company, Hero Cycles, at that point of time. But very quickly, I realized that, you know, coming in as a third generation person in this company, which is a very well-run machinery, very well-run company, there's little role that you have to play. There's little change that you can bring about. And I was looking at, you know, what is the kind of a change mm -hmm. can I bring about? What is the, how can I really make improvements kind of a thing? Or how can we diversify for that matter? So I came in, was there for a while, but started looking at diversification as being an important part of our whole factor. Post that, uh, once, uh, okay. and then in 98, got married. Uh, and that's the year when we went off to the US basically to explore what is going to be our strategy going forward, business strategy for the group. Now, we were too dependent, the whole group, hero mm -hmm. group at that point of time, was we were very focused on the automotive sector. And so we were always looking at what is the mitigation of risk? What is it if there's a recession and the automotive sector gets hit? What happens to so many companies which are dependent on this uh, this group, this sector? And so we went off to the US to explore what should be our diversification strategy. Uh, came back uh, from there. We were there for four months or four, five months and just working on different options, etc. Came back and we set up the first call center BPO at that point of time. And even though I had come in mm -hmm. from a completely commerce background, all my school, uh, education was in commerce, but I, I could think technology. I mean, I used to be very, very fond of technology. So I took on the role of actually the CTO in the call center, helping set up. We had another, we had technical teams, of course, but I was working with them in setting up the whole uh, call center. And that's the time when I also realized that uh, there was a wide gap between commute, uh, between the transportation segment. So you had the bicycles at about 14, 1500 rupees or 1200 rupees at that point of time. And then you had the motorcycles and scooters at about 44,000 rupees at that point of time. The moped category in between was kind of shrinking. So I was trying to understand what is the consumer journey? Is he going, how is he going to jump from a cycle to a motorcycle or a scooter? The gap is mm -hmm. too wide. So can we bridge yeah. the gap somehow? So that year in uh, 2000, 2001, we introduced electric cycles for the commuter, for the commuter segment, basically to make life a lot easier for this guy, for this guy who's using a cycle, carrying his family, carrying his load and everything else on it. So this was a black roadster bicycle. The fancy mountain bicycles hadn't really taken off in a meaningful way at that point of time. Mm -hmm. uh, that quite didn't work uh, as we had expected it to this thing. It didn't work well. We also possibly didn't market it too well. The pricing was good, though. It was at about 15,000, so perfectly bridged the gap. But in terms of technology, it was still nascent at that point. And you had a lead-acid battery sitting at the back of your cycle. So center of gravity is high, plus the space gets yeah. taken up. So there were factors mm -hmm. which were there. 2004, and I kept on looking at the space because I was hell-bent that this is something which is going to come in in a, meaningful, in a very, very large way in times to come. Mm -hmm. Just didn't know when. So in 2004, again, I went back to the drawing board and then we looked at a different format. So we looked at a moped where we took out the fuel mm -hmm. tank, plugged in batteries, took out the engine and actually put in a motor there and said, now this, can this vehicle work? And that, uh, and I was looking at lithium ion batteries at that point of time. So I was looking at uh, those batteries, are extremely expensive. They were like $1,700 or $1,800 a kilowatt hour. And mm -hmm. that also didn't really work in that manner because the product became so expensive or if you want to give it that range and speed and all that stuff. So you were no longer bridging a gap in between. You were becoming extremely exorbitant. Didn't work, went back to the drawing board. 2007, again, relaunched. 
but this time around relaunched as scooters, not as mopeds. Mm -hmm. Now, what happened here is that we realized, I realized one of the mistakes that I'd been making. One, of course, was that maybe it was too early in the day when I was pushing this, but also a consumer journey or from an aspiration standpoint is not cycle, electric cycle, scooter, motorcycle, car. It's actually cycle, scooter, motorcycle, car, and then an electric cycle comes in. That's a much more mature product. So I had been making okay. a classic mistake of not understanding his, his requirements at that point of time or, or not understanding his uh, perceived requirements at that point of time. Then uh, that's where the electric vehicle industry began to take off in 2008, when we, seven, eight, when we set it up. In 2008, we also established SMEV, the Society for Manufacturers of Electric Vehicles, which is the still the only EV-focused body in India to talking uh, on policy, etc. I was made the president of that at that point of time of that organization. I still continue to hold that post. Now, so it's been a very interesting journey, and from then on. It's been we've been pushing this electric mobility through since the last 13, 14 years in the hope that at some point of time or in the conviction, actually not hope, but in the conviction that at some point of time, this industry will explode. And we are seeing that right now. I mean, maybe uh, I got onto this bandwagon a little bit too early, but nevertheless, there's enough experience behind us now, which tells us what to do and what not to do. Okay, wonderful. That's big and rich experiences starting with uh, the initial days with lead acid batteries and moving on to lithium ion. So pretty good research also have gone behind what is happening right now in the field. That's wonderful. Please walk us through the company Hero Electric and uh, would like to know about its origin and evolution. Thinking from the EV standpoint, right, uh, there are a lot of startups uh, in the overall ecosystem which need support and it's all hand-holding together and coming up in order to make the ecosystem function. So if you can talk a little bit on that aspect. So Ashok, when we started off, when I started off uh, Hero Electric, this is way back in 2007. At that point, this was an offshoot or a subset of a, of a bicycle company. Now, I was very clear at that point that this is going to involve a lot of attention and focus. This is going to involve require 200% focus, not even 100% focus. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, it cannot be a subset of a larger company because that will get diluted. The whole focus will get diluted within the whole process. True. And I need to True. focus on this as well. And I, I need to build a team accordingly. So I started uh, putting together the team at that point of time. And this team came from the automotive sector. But first they had to unlearn what they had learned in the automotive sector and then relearn the electric, uh, what we wanted to talk about. So I started, I got a separate office, formed a separate company, got a completely separate team. So we could focus on this. And the whole idea was we have a separate supply chain. Uh, all the vendors have to be completely different. They could be common, but they have to focus very differently for us. The, the way that we sell has got to be completely different. So we started focusing on a completely different vertical altogether. The dealers have to be completely focused on this sector, so they cannot be doing something else, and this is a side business for them. So that is how we began. That is one of the fundamental points that I had. And so we went off into the international markets also at that point of time in 2011-12. And that, again, mm -hmm. at the international level was also very early. Then post that, what actually happened is the market was expanding we were talking to the government uh, from SMEV. We were talking from a company standpoint on the policies that should be there, etc. Then in 
there was a complete crisis that happened, a financial crisis. So we had a recession at that point of time in India, which hit us. Now, what happened with that recession is that uh, the competition which had started to create that dealer network and to create that visibility and the noise, etc., they started shutting down. So we started, and some of these were large, serious companies also. But nevertheless, you know, it wasn't in their strategy to continue or whatever be the case. And we started talking to them that, you know, please don't shut down because this is temporary. What is happening is not going to be a, a long-term phenomenon. This is a short-term phenomenon. And we will get out of it. But they didn't listen. They started shutting down. The problem that happens thereafter is that in the neighborhood, when you've got five dealerships or six dealerships or seven dealerships of multiple companies, and you see one after another, they're shutting down, the consumers mm -hmm. start to get a bit jittery who bought the vehicles from the, not just those companies, but even from us, because, you know, when are you going to shut down kind of a, is the kind of question. Okay. We were very clear that there is no question of us pulling out of this market or shutting down. In fact, we are only going to expand right now. Right now, when the chips are down and everything is down, we are going to change our strategy. We are going to expand further into the market. So what we started doing, and we were always looking at, and that's we continue doing that right now, and I'll just uh, tell you how, is that looking at the market as a whole. So if the market survives, if the market becomes larger, you've got a very important role to play in that market. The company independently you can pull the market, but the market itself has to be, the industry has got to be big enough, has to be meaning, meaningful enough. So what mm -hmm. we started doing actually is we started supporting our dealers in supporting competition spare parts, for example. Okay. okay. Now, the reason for that was just to keep the industry alive, that the industry doesn't collapse. Because people want, who bought a vehicle, even from another company, will say the electric vehicle industry is not good. He's not going to talk about his particular brand, or he may or may not. But the industry true, takes true. a meeting in the process. So there was a two-pronged approach that we had. One was that you keep the industry afloat. And second is the volumes had dropped so much that we already had mm -hmm. about 800 dealers in place. Now, how do the dealers survive? So we wanted to give them additional revenue. So we supplied competition spare parts. These dealers started fixing the vehicles that were there in the market, even competition vehicles. And that gave mm -hmm. them a boost. It gave the market a boost. And again, we began to pick back up again. Then in 2012-13 was also the an MMP policy which was announced by the government at that point, which was called the National Electric Mobility Mission. So that okay. again gave a boost and that came out as the FAME 1 policy in 2015. And that FAME 1 policy translated into FAME 2 in 2019. And that's what's continuing at this point of time. So along the way, we've seen a lot of tailwinds with us. There's been a lot of push. Government has been giving this push. And there are various reasons why that is much required. Whether you look at it from an environment standpoint, 12 of the 15 most polluted cities in the world are in India. Five of them are actually the NCR region. Or you look at it from oil dependency, you look at it from any of these factors, even the cost of the vehicles itself and the cost of oil, etc. When you look at it from these factors, we have to move to cleaner emission vehicles. And right now, the best answer for that is electric. Going forward 20, yeah. 30, 40 years now, and then hence, whether it's hydrogen fuel cell or something else, that's a different story. But right yeah. now, our best electric. bet is electric. And that is what we have to, because it's zero emission. There is no emissions yeah. there. In terms of economics, it works out right now. Infrastructure creation is important, but it's not the paramount. Uh, it's not the only driving factor. There is parity in performance and price now, at least from a two-wheeler standpoint. So we've been pushing this. Now also what we're doing is while we've got our vehicles which have portable batteries, so which means even if you're in a block of apartments, no matter what part of the country you are in, the way you charge your mobile phone or your computer 
you can take your battery up to your apartment, plug it into the wall, charge it overnight, plug it back into the vehicle in the morning, and off you go. Mm -hmm. That gives you enough range sure. for that day, which is about 70, 80 kilometers. And we've got variable options where it can go up to 210 kilometers also, depending if you're a heavy user. But the okay. average use in India is only about 20 kilometers in a day maximum. It's not more than that yeah. for a two-wheeler. With the city, city limit, right? Yeah. Within a, within a city, within any of these large urban yeah. cities, whether you look at Bangalore or Delhi or Hyderabad or Chennai or wherever be the case. So generally, it's not more than about 20 kilometers a day average. So from that nice, perspective, yeah. it works brilliantly, the vehicles, because you're not distracted. You're not going to a third location. You're not going to a petrol pump. You're not going to a, any other location to actually fill up on your fuel, etc. You charge your battery at home. You go to your workplace. Should you need to charge there, you charge your battery there. There also yeah absolutely electric uh, is the current solution that we have with zero emission in the focus nice moving on with the details hero electric has now crossed 50k units in sales congrats on that and uh, what you feel is the reason for the milestone uh, if you can elaborate on the instances of a particular challenges that you faced and how you overcame that situation so last year, which was actually from an economic standpoint, one of the uh, worst years in India in terms of the hit that we took because of COVID and because of so many other problems. For us, it was the best year in the history of the company. Now, what happened is uh, the previous year, we grew about 15 to 16, 16% over the previous year. Now, there's two ways to look at. There's multiple ways to look at this whole scenario. So when we began with the lockdowns last year in late March, the whole idea was that, that at that point, everything's going to shut down. And no, none of us knew how long these lockdowns are going to continue, when we are going to get out, out of it, and what is really going to happen thereafter. Now, there was a lot of negativity which was there in the market as well. There was a lot of people talking about you know, that the businesses are going to be wiped out, and there's going to be disruption that happens, and destruction, etc. So we said, look, if that happens, it happens. We can't control mm -hmm. that. But till such time as that doesn't happen, we have to stay positive. So what we started doing is right from the very, very early days, which is 5th April, actually, we came out with the first promotion, which was to do with uh, that if you buy, if you order the vehicle right now, at a, in a non-refundable basis, we will deliver the vehicle to you when the uh, lockdowns open up to at your home place. So what happened is that, and we started looking at training our dealers in how to handle. So earlier before that, we'd been struggling with uh, online versus offline model. So what really works? Should, should it be an online model where we actually continue to push through the e-commerce websites and through our websites, et cetera? And then what happens to the dealership? So there was always that kind of clash which was there. There was a resistance which was there, even though we had been very careful to say that we will route the business through the dealers, even if it's an online sale, because we want the dealer interest to be there for service and save, et cetera, later on. Mm -hmm. So now what we started doing now, since we had a lockdown situation, everybody's available on the computers and phones, etc. So we started training up the dealers first and foremost, and we started training up our own employees also on how to handle life after we open up. What is going to happen? So a lot of positivity messages were going out. We did about 2500 uh, rounds of sessions with our employees at that point of time. So these were oh, different. So there was a lot of hobbies. There was a lot of the singing clubs and antakshari clubs. And then there was yoga and everything. So all of these modules that we put together. Then okay. we did a number of these sessions with the dealers on explaining the benefits and how to handle social media, how to handle digital marketing, etc. 
So when we came out with our first promotion, which I was telling you about, so we had some bookings, but a lot of inquiries. And now we wanted to understand from these customers that you've gone to the website, you've registered yourself, but you haven't really booked the vehicle. What is holding you back? So we mm -hmm. started doing the first of the kind automotive webinars with our customers or potential customers. These guys are not okay. bought your vehicle yet, but they are looking to buy a vehicle. And so we wanted to understand what is it that they're looking for? What is holding them back? One of the points that came out amongst numerous ones, one of them was you know about financing, which we are working on. Another one was that we've never tried out an electric vehicle. We know about it, we've heard about it, but we've not tried it out. So if you haven't tried out, mm -hmm. how can we buy such an expensive vehicle? Immediately, mm -hmm. we came out with the promotion, which was a three-day return policy. So we'll deliver the vehicle to you at home. If you don't like it, call us. We'll take the vehicle back. There's no depreciation. There's nothing of that sort happening. So we will take it back at oh. the price that we bo you bought it. And that's it, mm -hmm. without no questions asked. Sales okay. began to pick up there. So we started doing number of these webinars with the customers. Sales began to pick up. So much so that in terms of our volume from online platforms, because you know there was... I mean, there was a shutdown in the physical walk-ins, etc. weren't happening. But from the online platform, we were able to generate 10x the growth over the previous year. And when the okay. markets began to open up, since we'd already been training our dealers, we'd been appointing our preferred garage owners, we'd been talking to the customers, etc. Suddenly, the footfalls increased. So that worked in us. Really, when when things opened up, we were hit, we hit the ground running. We went, we didn't have to stop, think what to do now because we were already doing that even when the lockdowns were there. So that is one very important factor where we were talking positivity. We knew that this is a short-term thing. As we're doing now, we know that what is happening right now in the country, even though it's it's uh, it's a very sorry state, it's a, it's, a, it's a very unfortunate state, people are losing their lives, etc. But at the same time, we will get out of it. And once we True. get out of it, yeah. there is going to be pent-up demand. We know that people will look at uh, not getting onto public transport. They will be scared of getting into public transport right now. And what are the options yeah. that they look at? So they will look for options which are economical, which are convenient, easy to use, and they are friendly on their pocket. So it's not a very exorbitant purchase. That is what we believe. And that is where I believe that this year is going to be a far more powerful year for us than what it was last year. So we are going to be doubling this year as against last year yeah. for these factors. And we are gearing nice. up for that. The plant is gearing up. We are talking to the dealers. We are training them. We are training our preferred garage owners. We are talking directly to customers also in a lot of ways. We are, our digital marketing is going on full swing. So every which way we look at it, this year is going to be a very important year for us. Wonderful. I guess it's uh, it's growing with strong strategy in place and also the number of dealers are also continuously growing as I read the articles. Wonderful. Yes. Uh, moving on with uh, the favorite of the products that you have. Um, electric bikes were once in theory and now we are realizing the idea is coming true and it's on our Indian roads too. Um, about all the products that you have like Photon and Optima, which one is your favorite and why? <laughs> That's like asking 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 a parent, you know, which is your who's your favorite child. <laughs> it's a it's a bit of a difficult question because all of these vehicles, you know, we've introduced over a period of time. Um, 
So I, I mean, these two brands that you've spoken about, so all of them fill a different niche in the market. All of them fill a different gap in the market. For example, you know, Flash, which is for an entry-level person. So it's a really low price point. It's an economical product. NYX is mm -hmm. targeted at the B2B segment. So it's uh, designed in a way that you can keep your basket at the back and you can have a range going upwards to 210 kilometers. Optima mm -hmm. is the best-selling family vehicle in the country for the past many years. And we are now in the fourth version of the, of the vehicle. So Optima is our biggest seller uh, in terms of the in terms of the models and then photon is in the premium end in the uh, city speed higher higher end in the city speed now the way we define this is that each vehicle performs a different role each vehicle is defined for a different role so we have six platforms and then on top of that we have 13 different models so we've got variations ranging from a low speed to a city speed. A low speed is a vehicle or a comfort speed, as you call it, is a vehicle which requires no license registration, runs below 25 kilometers an hour. And anything over that is actually a high speed vehicle as per government definitions. But we have coined a term of city speed in between where we have a very strong role to play. Now, these are vehicles which have a range and a speed of about 45 kilometer speed and about 80, 85 kilometer range. And that could vary. So. And then we've got a high speed category, which is at 60, 70 kilometers an hour, which where we don't really have a very strong presence at this point of time. That is something that we mm -hmm. will graduate to, but not right now, because we believe a person, when you look at the total pyramid, when you look at the IC engine current pyramid and the customer base that you're targeting from there, 85% of that customer base is actually entry level or commuter segment and buying vehicles at about 70, 75, 80,000 rupees, not beyond 90,000 rupees. Beyond 90,000 is more of a lifestyle category. That's right, super uh, gets into and, the premium. Uh, yeah. yeah, that gets yeah. into the premium category. So what we believe is that the that 85% of the market is a very, very large segment. And that mm -hmm. is a segment where they will buy a vehicle which is not much more expensive than what they're currently buying. So a person who's buying a vehicle for 75,000 right now is not going to buy an electric vehicle for 1,30,000 or 1,40,000 just because it's electric. The TCO may be low. True or lower, but nevertheless, the initial purchase price becomes very high. Plus the battery replacement cost, when it's a very powerful vehicle, your battery replacement cost after three years or four years or five years is very high. Huge. In some cases, it's equivalent to buying an entry-level IC engine vehicle at this point of time. So that is what is deterring okay. some of these customers from getting into that kind of a category or buying vehicles from that category. Whereas when you look at from our segment, our category that we are promoting, that we are pushing forward and that we believe is going to be the mainstay for the next, uh, for this uh, foreseeable future, is the city mm -hmm. speed category, 45 to 50 kilometer speed vehicle, 80 kilometer range. And that mm -hmm. is at about, it's at about 62, 63,000 rupee price point. So your initial okay. purchase price is low. Your running cost is much lower. Just to give you a perspective, if you're mm -hmm. going commuting, let's say 40 or 50 kilometers a day, which is a very high commute. But if you're commuting that kind of distance, if you've got an IC engine vehicle, you're looking at about one liter of fuel every day. True, true. That means about 90 rupees per day. And that vehicle is probably costing you about 75,000 rupees. In our case, the vehicle is costing you about 62,000 rupees. So initial purchase price is lower. Speed is also lower. I accept that. Mm -hmm. But... When you look at it, when you're, if you're running that 40 to 50 kilometers a day, you're looking at one and a half units of power. That's about 12 okay. rupees. So when you okay. look at it huge, over a huge difference, over, there, yeah. huge difference. So when you look at it over three years, if you're using every day, thousand days, you've got 90,000 and you've got 12,000. Your 78,000 okay. is the saving that you have. And so you, this vehicle actually becomes more than free. You've actually taken money into your pocket yeah. rather than spent it. <laughs> so true, that true. 
those economics the customers are beginning to understand and those economics can only come in in the category that we are that we are talking about at this point which is more the city speed category the minute you go into the higher speed categories your initial purchase price is high about 1 lakh 20 1 lakh 30000 1 lakh 40000 and that is post subsidy when the subsidy goes away that's going to go even higher the second is your running cost is not that much lower than that of ic engine vehicle and when it comes down to battery replacement that's going to be very expensive so though the market will graduate in that direction because the battery prices are dropping the performance is improving at this point it is more the city speed category which is going to be the mainstay and that is where the commuter segment is realizing that mm -hmm. nice wonderful i guess that's a that's a very well explained putting the statistics in perspective and uh, uh, comparing how it costs with the ic engines versus ev thank you running a big company uh, with huge responsibility on a shoulder it's not easy without a strong team right so wanted to understand how big is your team on the ground and uh, what's your strategy in building up the team that's a very important factor see companies are not built by uh, on the shoulders of one person or this thing it's built on the shoulders of a team which believes what you're doing True. now when i started building this team together so like i said you know initially my whole idea was that it has to be a completely separate team which is doing which is focusing 100% of the time and attention or more more than 100% on electric mobility and on growing this business not on there's no distractions there at all so our team that we've got is a very very good team and one of the factors that i look at is the level of commitment that they have when the chips are down so right now for example you know we are going through a phase where you know the atmosphere the whole thought process idea everything is low right now because of what we are seeing around us but yet you have to stay upbeat you have to stay positive you have to keep pushing and that's what my team is doing right now so what i've done is i've got a very good rung team at the at the higher level and then below that also we are getting in we've got very good teams below that who have a extensive amount of experience with with us they've learned our methods so we've got a concept called hero care where somebody joins and then they are automatically inducted into hero care where as a company we take care of them we take care of our employees we are honest with them you know in terms of our strategy in terms of the way that uh, we work with them even when we look at you know our dealerships for example so when we are making sure that the dealerships make money so if the dealer makes money we will ourselves make money we cannot make money on sitting on the standing on sure. the shoulders of the dealers because that's a network that's a strength that we've got so that is one part mm -hmm. of it now in our team also i the way my functioning my style is that i have a very i have a strong vision which is what where we have to go in the long term but there's no clear path on how to get there and we have to chalk our own path so we have sometimes you know we take a wrong direction it's like you, you know you have to get to one a place a to place b but there is no road in between there's nobody has done that nobody's crossed that path nobody's crossed that uh, desert or whatever that forest whatever you may call it so far mm -hmm. so you have to chalk your you just know that you have to head in that direction and that's what we continue doing and sometimes we make mistakes sometimes we go off into a direction which doesn't really work very quickly we do course correction come back on track try a new way and then go move forward so i don't i don't penalize my team for example for making mistakes i i mean that's that's if you don't take decisions if you don't take a thing you will i mean if you're taking a decision you will make a mistake at times every decision cannot be the right one so i don't penalize my by team for that but at the same time i tell them that you know once you made a mistake learn from it and move on 
I mean, that's something which is, and take a calculated risk. So when you, if you're taking a risk, take a calculated risk that should things not work out in the manner that you are planning right now, then what happens? What is the fallback options? So as long as you've got your fallback option in place, then we can go ahead with that kind of a decision. And we've done that. We've taken numerous st such steps in the past, and we continue to do that on a regular basis. The next factor is that the team has to be completely driven from the inside. So you mm -hmm. can drive them. But you have to be very, very honest with your team. You have to, they can see through it. So they can see through lies. They can see through, you know, a facade that you may be able to put up, etc. So I'll give you an example. You know, and now people believe this as well. So earlier when we used to hire and I used to be doing town halls with our people and we used to have everybody in a room. And sometimes a guy would say that, um, you know, so I would ask them that, okay, so how, what do you, what does your family think about your work? Where do you work, et cetera? Because I've always believed in it, but you know, you get somebody new from the outside. They have to, in, they ha it takes a while to really come into the culture. And so one guy, mm -hmm. I remember him saying that, uh, so I've told them I work in Hero. So I said, okay, that's very good. Have you told them you work in Hero Electric? He says, no, so I haven't told them that. This is about five, six years back. <laughs> So I okay. said, why haven't you told them? So he says, you know, they'll think, I don't know what is this business that you're doing, whether it's going to survive, not survive, what's going to happen, all of that. And I said, fine, it's it's okay. Uh, the same guy about two two years back, I think this is yeah 19 or somewhere thereabouts. So I was talking in this this thing and he said, I want to come and uh, say something. So I said, yeah, please come. So he said, you know, that this is what you asked me at that point, And this is what I said at that point of time. But now mm -hmm. my children, my relatives proudly say that my son or my father or my uncle or my cousin works in Hero Electric. So I said, what has changed? Oh, he said, they all realize the <laughs> importance of what we are doing, you know, for the environment okay. standpoint, whether we look at it from any other this thing. So he says, you know, now we are proud to say that we work in Hero Electric. So this is something where you can sow the seeds of that. But and then you have to kind of, you know, just uh, help them flourish that, there. And that is what That's is happening. So the team has to be very, very committed. And especially in a business like this, you know, which is constantly we face uh, headwinds, we face issues, we face a whole load of problems on a day-to-day -day basis. And there's no clear-cut path. You know, there's no, none, nobody's done this before. True. That's a big thing, actually, having the mindset of accepting what we are doing and the importance around it. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Uh, would like to know what was the first moment of relief for Hero Electric since the inception? Is it a part of any MVP that you produce or any R&D work or is it the sales that you uh, achieved? See, sales is a sales is a relative number. Sales is a factor of it's a it's something that we have to continue doing. We continue have to continue sure. growing because at the end of the day, when you look at it, no matter what sales that we've got right now, we are still small when it comes to the larger industry. But mm -hmm. we know clearly that the part that we are on is the right one. And this path, again, we will have to continue defining as we go along. But right now, that is the absolute right path that we are on. So our strategy is right. So one of mm -hmm. the ways was that when I heard that some of our company competition companies and much larger, hundreds of times larger than us, were actually using our products in their dealer conferences and comparing their product against ours to say that, look, our product is better. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so, you know, different yeah. category, but at the same time, so they can see that, you know, I can see that some of the stuff that we're doing is very, mm -hmm. very good. It's good enough for a company which is much larger than us to be making that comparison in terms of the products. Okay. So that is one part of it. The second is, you know, 
a lot of people ask me that you know you came in too early you burned too much uh, uh, of effort and energy you put sweat and blood into it is it all worth it technology is a viable factor you know technology you can always replicate technology you can always buy but experience is something that you cannot experience has to come with time and experience has to come with making taking bad decisions and making mistakes and then coming on to the right path so that is what experience tells you and this is what has happened in our case as well so we have learned so many things along the way we earlier began the path many years back i'm talking about 10 years back of talking about technology as being the driving factor you know so it was all about technology advertising was all about technology to to cater to that first uh, the early adopters the technology geeks as we call them you know so they are going mm -hmm. to be the customers then we realized mm -hmm. that that's not the right way that's not the thing then we went off into a totally different this thing and this is i'm talking about 8 9 years back we talk started talking about responsibility behavior towards the environment okay. towards my own uh, social network about everything about my family and everything and that also didn't work that path didn't work then we went into a different strategy then we went into a different strategy we are now in a in a very different strategy which is working now so we've learned this the hard way that what is working what is not working and then take course mm -hmm. correction so we are probably in terms of the overall strategy on how we are approaching the market we are in probably version 6 or 7 since our inception because that's that's mm -hmm. a change that we continuously keep on doing and what we're doing sure. right now versus what we're going to be coming out with next year is very different so there's going to be course correction that happens even next year so that's why i sure, keep on sure. saying you know that the path that we are on right now is the mm -hmm. is the right one for us okay but a year later whether that's still going to be valid no we'll have to mm -hmm. make some changes there we'll have to tweak something there yeah of course changes are always uh, coming on the way so especially on that part you have been into two wheeler industry for quite long since the inception and uh, even when ev bike started you were there uh, behind the research and all these things uh, what's your vision of india in ev bike space in 5 years and what changes you dream to see when we look at the market we are we are very realistic when it comes to the numbers that we talk about etc but deep down mm -hmm. i know that the numbers are going to be larger than that because i can see the i can see the changes happening i can foresee that mm -hmm. the numbers that we even that i'm talking about publicly are kind okay. of those are realistic right now but the numbers actually that is going to happen is probably going to be larger than that and we are gearing up for that that is what we are preparing for a much larger number than what we talk about what i anticipate okay. happening is there is going to be a shift that you're going to see a sea change that you're going to see right now there's strong competition coming in that's for sure and competition is always good competition is always welcome because that creates the whole buzz in the market that creates a noise in the market and that is where the market realizes the importance and that there is a conversion happening and serious competition is always good competition that grows the market substantially so what i anticipate is in the next 5 years let's say 2026 here at a bare minimum level this market is going to be about 20 to 25% of the current ic engine market that number mm -hmm. could go up to about 40% also there are numerous projections okay. which talk about 40% but for that 40% certain triggers have to happen and some of them are mm -hmm. monetary triggers some of them are non monetary triggers i spoke earlier about you know something like for example why should this electric mobility in order to create awareness because we are doing what we can at a company level and what we this thing but at a national level it's a need of a it's a need of the hour 
For example, why cannot it be a part of the Swachh Bharat program, Abhiman program, where we are talking about, you know, when we talk about uh, pollution on the roads, etc., or outside, we have to talk about air as well, because that is affecting us hugely. So that will create sure. awareness that this is a clean vehicle, clean mobility, and start switching there. Mandating vehicles, uh, whether it's B2B or city centers, which are highly uh, congested and highly polluted, to start converting to electric, you have to have certain goals in place. So while I have certain, we have certain projections, those projections are basis that there is no fixed goal that the government has set up. There is no okay. fixed deadline that the government has set up. So and there is going to be progression which we move ahead. Should that change? Should the government say, okay, fine, 2027 or 2028, 100% electrification, at least in the two-wheeler segment, then we know that that's where you got to hit. And then accordingly, mm -hmm. the market will convert much faster. But in the absence of that, bare minimum, you're going to be talking about 40 to 50 lakh vehicles on the road in the next five years. And that is going to be a jump from about one and a half lakh right now. So that is a huge yeah. jump that you're looking at in the next five years. Yeah. There's going to be a huge jump. And this is, uh, this is going to happen. This is inevitable. Okay, we are, we are talking 10x and 20x now. We are talking 10x and 20x, even more than that. Wonderful. I see from the other interviews that you are a passionate photographer too. So I was just curious, uh, how do you manage the time and uh, spend spend time for your passion along with this journey, having all these achievements in Hindu in Electric and taking along your passion also always with you? You know, I think it's extremely important to have a distraction and a hobby and a passion, especially mm -hmm. if you're in a high stress job, you know, the way that, I mean, the kind of work that I have. It is a high stress job from that perspective. And I need a distraction. Everybody does. I and mean, this is a very, very important part of the whole journey. Now, in my case, I was lucky enough to find it and be able to pursue it, photography. And also because I used to travel so extensively till before COVID hit us. So I was tra traveling extensively and I used to always travel with my camera. There was never a time when okay. I didn't have my camera with me. Uh -huh. For me, that is a kind of meditation in terms of that is the time when I'm able to de-stress, when I'm able to shut out everything else and come back and focus on that particular, at that particular moment. So whenever I find that, you know, there's too much of stress on me or I'm, I'm bogged down and it's happening right now, you know, we've got so many issues happening. We've got so many people who are going through a lot of challenges and problems right now with them, with their families, etc. And there is limited amount that we can do because, you know, you're pushing, but there's, there are, there are times when you're just not able to do enough and it becomes extremely stressful, not from a work standpoint, but even otherwise, you know, I mean, humanitarian grounds, because I'm in that field, the way I feel I'm responsible for my, the people who work with me in my company, their families. So it's a very large family from that perspective, our dealer network and everybody else. These are people that you know, these are people that you are in touch with and who are giving up their time and energy and effort and everything for you. So you owe it to them on humanitarian grounds and any other aspect that you look at it. So what happens at a lot of times is when I'm completely bogged down, I'm drained out, I come and start processing my pictures. And that takes me into a different world altogether. It takes me into that moment when I was taking that picture and what I was thinking or what I was not thinking of that. So okay. I've got lakhs, I've got tens of lakhs of pictures which I've got, I've not even processed. I've got a, a huge uh, archive with me. A lot of them I haven't even processed uh, so far. And that's the time when I really sit down and start processing. I'll spend half an hour there. I'll have my music playing. And I 
completely get out of that and then come back with a new strategy, with a new thought process and a new push. That is what I'm doing post that event. But when I'm traveling and I was having this, uh, I've made some very, very dear friends because of this hobby that I have, which is of photography. And when I'm traveling, I'm always traveling with the camera and that's always slung across me. So I'm going for meetings with the camera slung across me. Sometimes okay. it becomes it becomes a great uh, icebreaker when I go into a serious meeting. So I went into a serious meeting with the bankers and I had a camera strung across me and they came in and they said, hang on, we didn't know we had a photo shoot. I said, you do now. And one of them then decided to go outside with me to, for me to take his pictures and then send them back. So I've got so many okay. stories from that perspective, from that point. And that is something that I, it takes me into a different world at that point of time. And then that enables me to rejuvenate and then come back into this world and start pushing again with the uh, with new vigor. Wonderful. Yeah, I guess we all need the distraction to rejuvenate ourselves. Good one. Moving on with this multitasking and you manage to carry along the passion and all these things, right? How do you manage and balance your personal time along with the work? See, right now it's actually pretty good because we are working from home. So here, you know, I'm not spending that time commuting anywhere else. The Zoom calls are working. There is that Zoom stress which is there or there is that, you know, digital this thing. But nevertheless, there is so much more we are, we are able to achieve. I mean, you know, if you think about it in a way, had it been prior to this whole thing happening and you sitting in Bangalore and I sitting in Delhi, we would have had to coordinate a time where either I was traveling to Bangalore or you were traveling to Delhi sure. and then do this interview. Or you may not have even have been able, able to do it in that manner but now suddenly you're doing these webinars and you're doing the, you're talking to hundreds of people in one go where you could not talk to them or you're listening to people from the best universities in the world and the best organizations and corporations in the world which you would have not had access to earlier so from that yeah, perspective absolutely. you're able to manage your time and all that much better the downside is that there is this zoom stress you're sitting in front of a screen all the time and just staring and it's uh, it is it is stressful from that perspective so i'm my calendar i'm pretty good with my calendar so i set myself you know my uh, times and my calendar is full up for the next number of days so i just keep on every entry that i everything that i have to do i put it in my calendar just and my alarm goes off that five minutes or ten minutes prior so i know this is something that is coming up and i start getting up for it so okay. i and i consciously take make time out where I'm able to de-stress or just step back a little bit on a day-to-day -day basis. Even if it means that in the evening, I just go out and start walking for half an hour. And I do that while working and then I come back and start working again. So that is a way mm -hmm. where I'm just able to process the, uh, what I've been doing that day and then come back uh, to my work. Okay, wonderful. Moving on to the next segment of this episode, uh, the final segment, uh, which is a rapid fire round. Jotted down some questions. Let me go over it. What's your favorite sports or game you play? Uh, scuba diving. Oh, wonderful. Nice. So, so you did it recently? It's been okay. a number of years, actually, but I do want to get back okay. to it. That's something that I would uh, really love to pursue. Okay, nice. Uh, what's the best thing that happened to you this month? Uh, this month, uh, okay, so last month, so I uh, started uh, actually teaching as a, as a, as a this thing. So I was teaching at a university here in Gurgaon called Master's Union. And the okay. course is uh, called on the future of mobility. And so I was wow. very, I, you know, you're talking at a conference versus teaching master's students. 
uh, postgrad students is a very different ball game mm. because when you're talking in a mm. conference, you know, it's kind of a one way flow. You're saying whatever, etc. There are some questions that come to you. But when you're teaching somebody as a course, and this mm. is actually something where they're going to get credits for, it's a very, very different mm. ball game. So I was very nervous. Yeah. So I had my first session with them, with the students. And uh, it was supposed to be an elective, but then eventually everybody took that course. So everybody, all the students are participating in that. And physically, I took one session. And the feedback mm -hmm. that I got from there was was a very, very good feedback that this was the one of the best sessions that we've had. It just so happened oh. that the next day the university had to go into a lockdown and because they had some cases, etc. But mm -hmm. uh, the feedback that I got from there was probably the best, uh, the most uh, positive and the most, I mean, upbeat feedback that I got. Oh, wonderful. And getting from teaching line is is a big thing. Nice. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. um, what is the book that you have recently read and what's your favorite? So recently I was reading this book, which is called, uh, let me just show you, it's called Clean Disruption by Tony Seba. And okay. this is, I've just finished that uh, earlier. So mm -hmm. this was uh, about, uh, again, disruption, what's happening. And Tony Seba is a great advocate of electric uh, vehicles and he was with GM and everything earlier. So that is a great book. Uh, when I go for my walks, so I've actually been listening to Audible, so li listening to books rather than reading them. And I used to love reading earlier, but just I haven't got back into reading mode yet. But I'm listening to them. And right now I'm listening to the Bhagavad Gita by Devdat Patnayak and enjoying it. Okay. Because that's a very modern version interpretation of the uh, of the Bhagavad Gita. And it's, uh, it's not so much as the religion part of it, but I'm enjoying the spirituality and the work part of it, relating it to businesses and relating it to work and today modern life. So I'm enjoying that. Wonderful. Nice. And if you want to uh, recommend one book for any budding entrepreneurs, what would that be? There's too many, actually. There's too many books. So there is, I've got my book collection here. Let me see which one I can collect. So there is, uh, you know, there's one which is called Eating the Big Fish. This is talking about you coming in as a smaller this thing and how do you compete against the big sharks and the big fish which is out there. So this is something that I thoroughly enjoyed. There's a lot of books that I also enjoy. Let me see. So there's a lot of other books that I enjoy which have more to do with overall uh, spirituality or uh, just development, personal development. Okay, nice. And what is your uh, favorite subject in school? Uh, now, if I were to go back to school, I would probably look at something like, you know, where I've always been good and I've always enjoyed building things on my with my hands. So mm -hmm. I would love to get into an engineering space where I'm actually build, building th uh, something with it, okay. maybe a vehicle or maybe a solar powered vehicle or something on those lines. The applied aspects of engineering. Okay. Applied aspects of, even though I've never done engineering, but that's something that I think okay. I could uh, I could do. Okay, wonderful. Uh, what does creativity means to you in one sentence? Uh, creativity is a uh, is when you're looking at things in a different perspective and be able to interpret what they were talking, what they were meant to you, and be able to project that in your own manner. Nice. Um, how are your sleeping habits and what's the first thing that you do in the morning to boost yourself? So I, I've begun to sleep actually fairly early. So I'm normally in bed by about 10, 10, 15 or so. I would watch okay. or read something for about 10, by 10, 45 or so I'm generally sleeping. And uh, I wake up by about six o'clock. 
and I go out for a walk. And uh, so these days I'm seeing a lot of peacocks outside. So I go out oh, and I see wow. the peacocks and I see the peacocks, you know, making all those dances and making all those noises and all. And that's, that's yes. something that I do for about half an hour or so. And that's what yes. really kicks, kickstarts my system. So that's, uh, that's something I really enjoy. That's a beautiful way to start <laughs> seeing the peacocks also. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Uh, what's the best compliment you have ever received uh, so far? Okay, so there was this uh, time, this is about probably 2000, early 2018 or 2019. I was speaking at a conference uh, here in Delhi. And once I finished the conference, I came out, uh, you, when you step down and you've, uh, and there are people who are willing, wanting to meet you and everything and you're exchanging cards. So there's this gentleman standing there, smiling at me at that point. And so I met him after that. At that time, you know, masks were not the norm and you could shake hands and everything <laughs> at that point of time. So I shook his hand and he says, Mr. Munjal, you remember me? I said, no, I'm sorry, I don't. So he says, I met you in so-and-so conference in 2000, I don't know, what, 10 or 11 or 12 or something like that. And I told you, you were the biggest fool. And so there's about 10, 12 people standing around. And I said, oh I was a bit taken back. I said, okay, I'm, you are right. You have a right to your opinion. So I said, what do you say now? And I started laughing. So I started kind of making it into a joke because, you know, what do you say to something like that? So he says, you're the biggest visionary. So I said, <laughs> okay. you know, there's a very fine line between a fool and a visionary. And then it became a big joke. I didn't take that person's card. So I don't know who that gentleman is. But okay. I will always remember that because, you know, in a public gathering, to hear something like that was, yeah, was uh, was good. Was validation. Yeah, it it, it was sound <laughs> and and, and it, a big acknowledgement at the end. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, you must be mentoring multiple people in the organization. So, uh, who is your mentor, and what is your formula of reaching to your mentors when you need them? So I do mentor a number of people, and it's not just within the organizations. It's even students. It's even smaller startup businesses. There's been a number of them. Last couple of months, I have not had time to really interact with them in that manner. But I have been doing that because what I believe is, you know, sharing everything and I share everything with them. I tell them, even when I'm mentoring these people, I get them to sit with my HODs and for the HODs to pass on information to them. Because at the end of the day, you know, you're growing this whole ecosystem, you're growing this whole industry. And it's not that somebody is going to come and take away your business or anything of that sort. They will grow in their own manner. And if this can help them, so be it. So I don't have any single mentor as such, but I look at different uh, people, different organizations at different times. I've always looked at mm -hmm. Steve Jobs, and you know, I don't know whether you can see that there's a book of Steve Jobs just lying behind me for yeah. a simple reason that he was, he was, uh, he had a very one minded focus on design and functionality, made things uh, uh, easy, the product uh, fancier, sexier, easier to understand, and very, very e easy approach to the products. And even when I had started, uh, this is way back in, I think it was probably 90s when I got my first com computer, Commodore 64 at that point of time. And then when I got the Newton, which was the Apple. And since then, okay. I've been a great fan of, of his. There was another okay. product and a company which I used to be a great fan of. Unfortunately, they, they died out, which was the Palm Pilot, which was the Palm. And I used to use the Palm mm -hmm. because I've always been very organized. So I've got a number of people who I... Uh, Elon Musk, for that matter, you know, Warren Buffet for that, Buffett for that matter, where I follow them. But would I say that there is one mentor? No, I don't think so. I think that I look at different people at different times of and different stages of my life. 
great yeah taking the principles what they followed wonderful absolutely, absolutely. nice yeah nice i thoroughly enjoyed uh, the interview that we have done so far and uh, catching up with all your brain and the insights that you rightly pointed out with so many uh, informations here uh, thank you very much munjal for your time uh, it's pleasure and wonderful talking to you thank you ashok it was a pleasure being here thank you for having me thank you so much okay we are at the end of episode number 24 thank you very much navin for coming on and sharing your experiences and to our listeners you can find out the episode summary in the description until we catch up soon with more exciting stories stay tuned be motivated thank you